Hello and welcome to episode number two, uh, Pitch to Pub, with our first guest, Mr. Adam Ryan. Adam is the assistant trainer to his dad at Kevin Ryan Racing. Adam, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, evening, gents. How are you doing? Evening, Adam, mate. How are we doing? You okay? All good, thank you. All good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good. So, without further ado, let's just, let's just dive straight into it. Tell us a little bit about you, um, first of all, um, and tell us a bit about what you do and horse racing, I guess. It's probably the best place to start. Yeah, um, I'm yeah, very fortunate that uh, my dad is Kevin Ryan. He's a racehorse trainer. been training since 98 now. Um, and I'm assistant training to him. So I've been working alongside my dad the best part of 14 years now. And, you know, it's all, it's all going well. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to see the, the, racing, the racing yard uh, grow and strengthen and uh, it's taken us. It's taken us to some great places. Good. So tell us a little bit. Could I just jump in and say? Obviously, you mentioned the great places it's taken you, and you could probably most recently over to America with obviously glass slippers and and that. I'd probably say that probably the highlight of your guys' kind of training career so far. Would, would that would that be true? Would you say? Yeah, it's uh, when you when you're talking about something like the Breeders' Cup, you know, it's yeah. It's one of the biggest scenes uh, going in racing, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, it's probably one of the top five sort of uh, meetings in the, in the world, alongside the Royal Ascots and the Melbourne Cups and that. So, you know, not only did she did she win over there, which was fantastic for us to to give us our first Breeders' Cup winner, but you know, in the process, she was she was making a bit of history. She became the first European winner of the turf sprint there. So, that alongside the the Group One win was was amazing. She seems to she seems to be a horse where the further you go afield, the better she seems to be. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say. I mean, she's she travels very well. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, America's a, a bit of a different scene altogether. But you know, her wins she's she's won in France uh, twice. Yeah. Was placed over there as well. She won in Ireland. You know, so she takes traveling very well. She's a very re- uh, relaxed filly, and that's the most important thing. When when you when you think about traveling uh, afar, you know she settled in straight away. She she was straight into her routine, which is which is always good. You know, it's um, basically she she went there. She was she was as well over there. She was at home. You know, she takes everything in stride. So you know that was hugely important for her to to go across there and, and be able to perform. Did you, know, you best, to I, best. I, did you get to go across, or was it just I saw your dad on the telly? Did you get to go over to to Keeneland? I didn't this year. Uh, we had a we had our first Breeders' Cup winner uh, runner, sorry, uh, two years ago, in yeah. Churchill Downs, uh, which I went to. Uh, unfortunately, you know, obviously this year, which has been um, completely decimated <laughs> due to yeah. due to the pandemic, you know, it was only really uh, sort of like limited numbers uh, regarding people going across there. So, you know, fortunately, my dad was able to go across and the owners and that. So, obviously, it wasn't. A normal year, but listen, when you have a winner like that, it doesn't yeah. matter if there's a hundred thousand to, to witness it or just use, you know. There was, there was a there was a good European contingent and over there to 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 celebrate her coming in as well. Where did you watch it then? Because that, that, that ride that Tom gave it, oof, the, the gaps came in. She's obviously a brave horse to go through a gap that size and she's she's shown a great turn of foot, hasn't she, to go through and, and met the seal the race essentially, hasn't she? So where were you watching it then when you when you were 
back at home, just at home, or did we have? A... I was, yeah, I was just at home, just uh, screaming down the house in Topcliffe. <laughs> I think, I think I probably kept the neighbours up there for a, for a good few few hours, replayed it and and going through. But yeah, listen, like you said, you know, Tom Tom gave it probably one of the rides of the season. Uh, if, you know, probably probably the ride of his career. You know, he was he was fantastic on the horse. And, you know, the great thing is he had a very willing partner in, in Glass Slippers as well. And you know, yeah. as soon as the, as soon as the gap appeared, you know, she. She stuck her head through and, and she went for it and, and you know it was just a, an unbelievable performance by horse and jockey. Yeah, yeah, and he, I don't I don't think Tom gets the credit he deserves because I think I, I saw a lot of people saying oh they were surprised that it was they kept him on the ride over in over in America and you've not got one of the top jocks from America or or Europe to ride her. But obviously yeah, you've, shown I mean... a lot of, you've shown a lot of faith in him and the owners have shown a lot of faith in Tom and said we, we trust you to. Oh, of course. And I... Listen, when you're going across a place like that, it's 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 tricky because Tom had never ridden over there before. Mm. Uh, but you know, the great thing is, like any sort of sport, the the weighing rooms are close knit um, community, you know. And he had a little chat there with Ryan Moore beforehand, just to see, you know, maybe if there's any quirks or or, or whatnot with the with the with the style of racing over there. And listen, he's built up a great relationship with the filly, you know. Yeah. And they've taken each other along for the ride, so I think. The, the owners were, were great to keep him on board, but in, in another sense, it'd have been crazy not to, you know? Um, yeah. It, you know, it, once you get these sort of relationships going, it's it's very difficult to to break that partnership. And, you know, you saw you saw that with, even with Nigel Tinkler taking taking Rowan Scottscross, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a young up-and-coming jockey with, with no experience himself over there. So I think it's important when you get, when you get a relationship building like that to keep it intact. And, you know, that's half the battle already. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I was going to say, obviously, the, the Breeders' Cup was big for you guys this year, but obviously then the the double at Royal Ascot with, with Kevin Stock as well, obviously a big part of your team as well, and Hey Jonesy and um, uh, feet, uh, Hello Humesy were both fan, fantastic results, weren't they, again? Yeah, they were unbelievable. You know, uh, Kevin, uh, he came to us when he was, when he was 16, 17 years old to, to do his apprenticeship, you know, so... You know, seeing him, 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 his career uh, build and, and budging like it has done, it's been fantastic. And you know, it was it was quite a nice sort of bookend to the season. You know, to start off the way we did after the yeah. after the resumption. You know, to to score. You know, like I say, Royal Ascot's our our premier meeting on the flat over here, and yeah. you know, to have, you know, not not, not just one winner too, but is is unbelievable. You know, I know there's certain people. You know, it can, it can wait a lifetime, it never happens. So to have two on the same day is unbelievable. And, you know, again, Kevin, you know, he rode with such confidence that day. You know, he, um, I know I know people say it's a bit like the Formula One drivers, you know, you can't you can't win a race if you don't have the horse underneath you. But, you know, yeah. if you don't have the right jockey on board either, it can, it can cost. And, you know, to see Kevin go out there on the biggest stage, take on the big boys, you know, show no, no nerves. He just rode full of confidence and, you know, he really put his name in the lights and, you know, this season he's just gone strength to strength and people are starting to recognise his natural ability. In, so it's like you mentioned there, he came and did his apprenticeship there. What Do you have a, do you interviews for guys that come and do apprenticeships? Do you look for certain qualities? Um, do you and your dad, do you think, yeah, we can see the grit and determination this guy's got, we'll give him a crack? Or what's kind of the process when you were, not just jockeys or young jockeys, what's the, the process when you're getting people to come and work for you? I'm guessing... There's got to be a certain ethic there, and you see something in these people. Yeah, listen. I mean, there's there's a lot of good riders out there, you know, and they 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 
basically they come with an ambition um you know whether it works out or not is up to them and their, their hard work and determination but you know kevin always had natural ability you know from from day one and you could tell if he could match up his his work rate and, and his determination and experience he was always going to be very talented but you know they come they come across um it's basically sort of come for a job sort of thing and they they will say you know I I I've got ambition of being a, a jockey and it kind of just sort of see see where it goes with it if they've got the ability to do it um, you know there's some there's some very talented riders out there who've who who've managed to do it at home but you know unfortunately not being able to do it on the track so you know it's it's a, it's a small minority that can get through uh, to that level um, yeah but you know like I said it's kind of like any sport you know um, once. Once someone's got natural ability and you and you can sort of harvest that, and if they can match up all the other aspects to it, then you know you're onto a winner. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Fantastic. That's that's brilliant. I'll go as far as saying that I know Sean knows a hell of a lot more about racing than I do. Um, <laughs> so um, it's really good to be able to kind of dive into the sport that is kind of now uh, with with Sean's knowledge, which is great. Um, so let's, I want to just take a pause there for a second. I don't want to go back to the beginning for you. Um, yeah. So you, let's talk a little bit about you now, rather than obviously the stable, which we'll come back to. Um, so you, you left higher education uh, and you, you decided that you were going to, you, you weren't going to make it as a footballer. We obviously know that because of what you're doing. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll touch on that. I want, I want you to touch on that and kind of the level that you played at. But also, what, what was a turning point for you to decide... Right, this is gonna be this is gonna be me now because being friends with you, let's call it the adolescent times where we we, we, step, we go out, we start drinking, we start enjoying ourselves. It was just a job for you, wasn't it? Let's, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but to, to start with, it, that's pretty much what it was. And then something clicked, and I, I noticed it, and I, I imagine you probably your dad and your mum and everybody else noticed it. But let's go back <laughs> and work our way through there and, and see where we get to. So go back, yeah, go back to when you first started there and, and football and. And what what kind of made you decide to kind of follow the old man's footsteps? Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I realised quite early on I, I didn't have the ability to to make a living out of football, um, which was I think quite pragmatic of me at that time. Um, but you know, I did, like I say, I did my education, and everything, and I, I did want to actually go across to America and try the the scholarship route uh, through football. Right. You know, there's a couple of a couple of avenues there that possibly could have could have occurred but um you know when when i sat down with my dad and and he basically just said to me listen what what do you want to do and in the long run it was it was the race and the problem with well not the problem but it's like a lot of things there's no there's no um textbook for no. how to be, be, get into racing or become a trainer or do whatever it's it's all about experience no. and you know going into into that after maybe doing your university and trying out other things, you know, you're, you're already behind a ball because, yeah. you know, you've got guys there who've had all the, even though I've had all my life in racing, you, you don't delve deep enough in to understand the, the intricacies of it all. So realistically, it was, it was a case of, right, when I'm sort of 17, 18, what do you want to do? And I chose, I chose this path and, you know, I'm glad I did. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, do you think, and, and this, uh, again, tell me if I'm right or wrong, 
do you think that there was a there was potentially a point where you you could have done something else, or do you think always from that age that it was always going to be it was always going to be the case? No, I mean I was naive about it. You know, mm. I thought I could do you know do the university, maybe do America with the the, the sort of scholarship thing there. You know, maybe do a couple of other little things, and you know when it's getting on. Yeah, you know, a bit further down the line, I can sort of get into racing then. But you know, when you actually sat back and looked at the the, the work that people put into it, and you know the vast knowledge that people have of the of the game and what it takes, you know, it was a bit of a wake up call. And it was if you if you're going to do it, you're going to have to, you know, go all in or or not, you know. And um, listen, my dad would be the first to say he's still learning every day. You know, when when you stop when you stop learning, you think you've learned it all um, in any sort of game. You know, you might as well quit because, you know, you never stop learning. There's always someone who knows a little bit more or some new information that could come about. And I think that's definitely been the case as, well, as with anything, as times change and new technologies come in or, you know, the, the invention of social medias and that, you know, I'm starting to sort of give my dad other avenues to expand the business and, you know, promote the, the racing the yard to to potential owners and things like that so you know you never stop learning and it's it's it was just a case of if you want to do it then you have to you have to go all in or or stop messing about okay so i'm gonna take you back to sylvester sylvester and fergal sylvester the shoes yeah 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 so tell what what, tell me why i've brought them up what were you doing at the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um Fergal Lynch was our stable jockey when I was probably like going through school and he came back, started riding for us again and he he was looking, he was a bit uh, disheartened with the amount of opportunities he was getting and his, I don't think he was too happy with his agent so he sort of approached me and I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, it's like a, another sort of avenue in the racing, racing industry and something I could learn from and potentially take forward. And I knew Sylvester because he was with another trainer around Thirsk, uh, Dandy Nichols. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing five aside with him and I'd, I'd sort of got a, got a bit of a rapport with Phil going and he asked if I'd, if I'd take him on. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great decision. You know, they both had great seasons that year and um, I think both, you know, so, well, especially Sylvester, he rode the most winners he did. That, that season uh, it had done up to that point and you know, I would have I'd have loved to have kept it going but unfortunately uh, Fergal moved to America to ride out there where he's been extremely successful and you know when you're doing anything like that you need people to you need like jockeys to bounce off each other if someone's to phone you up you'd, you don't really just want to have one lad and yeah. you know they, they say oh not interested put the phone down you know if you can if you can have two or three boys there you can sort of bounce them off you know oh, I don't have Sylvester available but I've got Fergal or I've got Kevin or whatever, you know. Um, and unfortunately, when Fergal left, uh, it wasn't really fair on Sylvester. And, uh, you know, but he, he, he was already making a name for himself. And, you know, where he's got to now is unbelievable. So ultimately, what we're saying there is when you were their agent, that was a stepping stone. You helped them onto greatness of where they've gone to, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, the... I'm, just, I'm just messing around. But obviously, that. I remember talking to you quite a lot that uh, obviously we, we we probably were a lot closer back then anyway before we you know got families and all that kind of stuff like you do as you grow older but I remember speaking to you 
probably every other day, and you just it was constantly like, "These are doing great. This is brilliant." Like, and it was almost yeah. um, not to say that you weren't excited about racing, but there was a lot more excitement in you with them than I'd seen before, and that and that I've seen carried forward into into then going back and working with your dad full time and, and now moving forward, it's it, you're so embraced in what you do, which I think is absolutely brilliant, mate, by the way. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, at that time, you know, I, I was just literally one of the lads in the yard, you know. Um, so for me, when I was helping the boys then, listen, their ability got them where they, where they got to, you know. Mm. I was just basically the organiser. You know? Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's really an, an agent's job is just... Yeah. Get the rides, get them organised, and try and get one of the best rides as possible. And you know, if you can do that, and and they're talented, they're going to get the winners. But it was kind of a a proud moment for me because the work I was posting in, you get results, and yeah. you know they were improving their numbers, they were improving the amount of rides they were getting, and the amount of people that were using them. So, like anything in sport, it's a results business, and and seeing that was yeah, it was, it was definitely personal pride. And you know, obviously now I've got higher up in with my dad and things like that, that comes through now with, you know, when we're going to the sales and buying, buying horses and then seeing them progressing to being, you know, potential stars and seeing them do what they do. It's the same buzz that you get there because you're, you're fully involved with them all. You, met, you mentioned the sales. I think you spend quite a bit of time over in Ireland, um, kind of developing your eye and, and, and helping with your knowledge. And Yeah. Well, when, when I, uh, it had been when I was, what, 18, 19, and I spent a year over with Colmore doing That's, the, yeah. yeah, doing the, basically it was prepping the yearlings and that, for, which is obviously the, the younger horses, uh, just, yeah. the, you know, the, just under a, a year old, um, sorry, just over a year old, just under two years old, and it was prepping them for the sales, and obviously Colmore, you know, the, the biggest. Mega, the, yeah. Yeah, you know, Colmore Bolidoyle the biggest breeders in the world and it was to basically it was to give me a more of a knowledge of the hands-on approach the preparation that goes into yearlings and that the you know the the, the blue line the the blue line pedigrees that they've got is just r- ridiculous and every every single one of the Ballydoll horses are absolutely insanely bred out there <laughs> yeah and, and you know learning learning that sort of, and, and seeing different types of horses you know because the, the great thing is, like I said before, there's no there's no scripts. If you buy X, Y, and Z, it's going to be a superstar because if that was true, whoever's got the most money would would win everything. You know, everyone's got a different opinion of what horse they like and what horse they'd like to train. And so I was getting to see a different type of animal, different you know uh, style of of horse of what people like to what they think fits their training regimes, etc. Yeah. What was up in? I know there's a lot of trains in the northeast, and there's a, uh, in the north of England, and there's a lot obviously down Newmarket, predominantly flat based. And you you look at trainers in the past, Dandy Nichols when he was alive, now his son Adrian, predominantly they were the five furlong, six furlong speedster horses. What would you say? Because you've had a, you've had some crack like the, the Grey Gatsby as well. Um, you guys have had. What would you say is your main area of focus? Like, um, would, would there be a, a big spectrum where you you wouldn't turn your nose up at any type of animal if you, you thought there was something there. It, it, to be fair, one of, one of my gripes is when people saw pigeonhole you and say, you know, you can only train sprints or whatever. You're dictated, yeah. by, you're dictated by your clientele. You know? Yeah, tr- yeah. When, 
you know, obviously, if if you've got, you know, people have got it as a hobby, and it's a you know working class fellows who who want it. It's their hobby. That's what they want to do. They don't want to be waiting for a big backward horse that's going to take a year and a half before it even hits the track. You know, so you yeah. have to, you know, for them sort of people, you want to be buying sharp horses, get them out, get them running, let people enjoy themselves and see the horse on the track. In that, when when you're dealing with like the the owner breeder type people, it's all the future if they could produce a stallion or they could produce you know a, a world-class mare that's going to breed then you don't mind waiting because they've got the next 15 20 years with that to try and produce a bloodline or you yeah. know so it, it's, it's all dependent on your clientele and and the great thing is people have recognized that and a lot of the northern trainers who listen they've always been great trainers they've now got the ammunition where um, they've been able to go out and, and really prove that on, on all scales. I, th- I think Northern trainers now are getting a lot more recognition, especially like yourself and your dad. And you mentioned Nigel Tinkler taking these horses over to, to, to America, going down to Ascot and, and not just picking up a couple of races, you're picking up a lot more races. I, I think a lot more owners are now seeing what a lot of people already in the North knew, that the Northern trainers are equally... If, or if not as good as the southern trainers as well. No, exactly. And to be fair, that sort of that transition sort of happened over the last ten years, where you know there was always a sort of idea that uh, if they're not if they're not good enough to win a maiden down south, you know, I can always bring them up north. And you know that that that's not true now because the Calibro horse has sort of been spread about. And unfortunately, the owners in that have seen have seen that, and you know, have given trainers in the north a a, a good push and. You know, we're very fortunate. All you have to do is look at the likes of Richard Fahey and Carl Burke. And yeah. that's, you know, fantastic trainers. And and now, like I said, if you don't have the ammunition, then it doesn't matter how good a trainer you are, you can't really showcase that. But, you know, they, they've got the ability, but now they've got the ammunition as well. So it just goes to show, if you look at the trainer's table, it's not just the Southern boys top heavy. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a good spread throughout the country. You look at the jockeys as well. Ben Curtis rode for you guys quite a bit when he came over, didn't he? Was he was he was he state but attached to you guys as like a, a, a stable jock, or was he just? No, Ben Ben's only had a couple of rides for us. Um, you know, we 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 sort of, we sort of had our, our stable jockeys at the time. Um, but listen, he's he's doing fantastically well. You know, he's numbers wise, he's he's hungry. He's a good, he's a great talent. He's a great lad as well. A very nice mm. guy, uh, local to the area. You know, but it's the it's the hard work they they put in. You know, the the hours in the car, and the determination to go all across the country to ride winners. You know. As quick question, the hypothetical question is so. I appreciate obviously been a tough year, and you've got great owners there that obviously stood by, supported you, and, and kept the horses with you guys. And if, if if you had some owners come up to you and said, Adam, Kevin, blank check there, you can buy any horse currently in training would you be able to think oh yeah well, dad let's get this or I'd really fancy having this in our stable do you have like a, the horse <laughs> that's a good question I'd love, I'd, I'd, like that. That. I'd love to get my hands on that and see what we can do any horse well you wouldn't be able to buy any horse because you'd be trying to buy probably one of Aiden's um, yeah. and Cornwall so <laughs> they, they don't they don't need the money but I mean you know, a horse you'd love to have trained would be like Everyone would everyone would say Frankel and that. Anyone would have said yeah. enable, but I think well at the minute probably going into into next year, um, 
I did. I, I really like John Gosden's Palace Pier. Uh, I know he got beat yeah. last time out, but you know, he's only had well, he's only had five runs, is he six runs? You know, he could be a that, he could be a, a the ground. I do, and you know, you got to remember, he's he, even though he's a three-year-old. You know, he didn't start. He only had two runs as a two-year-old, which says to me that he was probably he's probably quite a big raw horse. Um, you know, he's probably still maturing, so. I think you'll see the best out of him next year. You know, he's—I uh, saw him at Ascot there when he when he won the St James's, and yeah. you know, beautiful, beautiful looking horse, big, strong, um, big, strong horse. But it looks like another year on his back. You know, he could be an absolute. I think absolute. Go, sorry, Adam. As you say, you know, he could be an absolute star next year. You know, the the unless unless something comes up through the ranks, you know, he'd be the he'd be the main man in the in the Myling division. You know, he's the he's the guy they've all got to go and beat. Yeah, looking at that race, he got beat. He still looked like he was still learning there because he, he missed it half a beat and he was he maybe caught a little bit too far back in, in ground like that to kind of, you know, he was a bit keen as well, wasn't he? And, and the French, yeah, it's, the French, a, it's the French a long old season as well, you know. It's yeah. you, you, People think you just, you know, you're running from April to November or April to October, or whatever, and it's like, ah, it's only, you know, four or five months. They only run four times. Yeah. It's not, though. I mean, you've got the whole preseason, you know, these horses are in from probably. You know, just before Christmas, and they're going through till November. And you know, like any sport, it's it's not just the actual race day or the match day or whatever. It's it's all the training that goes on behind the scenes. And that you know, all you got to do is have a look at any sport. You know, boxers they fight once a year, and people moan when they they <laughs> they ret- they're retired after twenty fights or whatever. But it's all the training that goes into it. It takes its toll day in day out, which has led on perfectly to what I was I was going to ask next. So. Day-to-day running, obviously, I know, um, and everybody will know, you've got a, you've got a season, you've got an off-season, um, and I'll know, I know, because you've told me before, that normally the off-season is probably when you're busiest. So, um, when is, what was the date, what does a day-to-day look like in the yard um, for both, obviously, when you're off-season, when you're season, how does a horse get ready for the big race, how does it get, re- how do you finally tune, you know, your best horses, or just in general, your horses that you want, obviously, you want them all to perform, but. What does it look like from a day-to-day kind of running? Yeah, you know I mean, all our horses go out every day unless there's an issue where they can't. Um, we're we're looking at we've got a water treadmill, we've got uh, an equine treadmill, and also the gallop and and three walkers. So they're out every day, no matter what, unless injury prevents. Um, so basically, they 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 they're exercising every day. It'd be a canter up the gallop. Um, would be your general thing, and then the closer it gets to you, you'll start sensing the fitness picking up, and that's obviously you know you're sort of aiming for certain targets, and you know one, once a week or so they'll do a, a sort of a, a good piece of work, which is sort of like a seventy five percent sort of gallop. How do you monitor um, just that? to sort of get them? So how do you monitor that? Well, Sorry, the, it's yeah. There's there's lots of different ways, but I mean. We we sort of just go. The great thing is my dad's, you know, his experience. Yeah. You, you you get to know each horse anyway. You know, they 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 all got their own characteristics, and you know when certain horses are peaking and that and, uh, and and whatnot. And it's it's the feeling that the the lads on board get. You know, Kevin Kevin Start and Megan Nichols jockeys that come in and Tommy's and that. You know, they they're in riding them, and they'll they'll be able to sort of give you a, a tell and see how they how they worked in that. But obviously my dad as well and you'll sort of see how they pull up afterwards their recovery rate afterwards you know and it's 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 not too dissimilar to any sort of athlete if if you want to get fit yeah. you you go out and exercise and you start peaking at certain times and 
this like glass slippers is a prime example you know we know now that she's a better a better filly in the in the second half of the season so you know she seems to thrive and probably improves a stone in the second half of the season and that's just her it's it's not every horse and and you know some of the time it can just be it can be a bit experimental as well you know because um, there's so many different uh, characteristics and and traits of racing and ground and etc so you know different courses don't suit so it's it can be a bit experimental at times as well um to find that sort of fine balance and then i mean the off season when you say off season we probably only have a sort of six week window where where we're really quiet and it's sort of like um mid october to sort of mid november end of november where horses are getting sent away for their winter breaks and we're bringing in the the youngsters to to break them in and get them get them ready to to start their careers and uh, sort of probably about a week or 10 days before Christmas is when you start bringing the horses back from the breaks and come January the 1st it's back into pre-season and, and, and drive on Adam this might be a really really stupid question right <laughs> but just, this has just been I've just been thinking this for the last few minutes thinking can you can you ride no, no, no. I, 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 I try. I try, I try I, no, 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 no. I tried it as a kid, and it didn't suit me at all. So, uh, yeah. I, got, I got buried a few times. Oh, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> Probably a bit heavy now as well, aren't you? Uh, definitely a bit heavy now. But uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't look right sat on a horse. I can tell you that now. <laughs> so I was thinking. Obviously, I know you for a few few years too back. I was thinking. I've never asked him if he actually. Rides horses or not, and he's yeah, just a daft, daft thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shock ride. to everyone when they when they ask that, but um, you know, listen, it, it's it's not something you need, but uh, you know, there's there's some great jockeys there haven't been able to train, so you know, it's not the be all and end all, but uh, there's certainly other aspects that uh, that I can sort of lend my hand to. Well, the um, yeah, the riding talent in the family went to your sister, didn't it? She she use um, doesn't ride anymore, though, does she? No, she uh, she was champion apprentice then yeah. in I think it was 2012, um, be, and she was the first uh, outright winner of it as a female. Obviously, Haley Turner had, had shared the yeah. shared the award a few years beforehand, and yeah, she she did really well. You know, she she made a good a good name for herself and off her own back. And yeah. unfortunately, it was just an accumulation of injuries. You know, she she had a horrible <laughs> fall, didn't she? She had a, it, she had a few of them. Yeah. yeah, she had a bad fall at York, um, and then following that, she had a couple of falls at home. And unfortunately, it's still a bit of a lasting injury to her ankle in that. And you know, it's. <laughs> It's like anything, you know. Injuries can curtail any sort of career, but you know, fortunately, she's still she's still involved in 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 the sport, and she's got a yard now with with Tom, and they do a bit of uh, like breaking in and 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 having horses on breaks and livery and things like that. So, whereabouts is she's that? still involved? It's she's just up there, probably about five hundred yards down the road from us at the bottom. Of <laughs> All right, okay. And, <laughs> You know, so she's looking after some horses on a break, and uh, she's got her, her own breeze of horse that she's going to try and sell, etc. And and she still rides out now and again uh, during the summer. So yeah, she's still involved uh, as much as possible. That's a brilliant. That's, that's great. It's really that's really good. Yeah, I, I, again, that, that's uh, that's a big insight to me because I know that she was involved with the yard, obviously it's family and all that kind of stuff. I just wasn't sure exactly what she was turning on to at the moment. So that's really good to to hear. Um, so. Let's talk about football. 
Um, tell everybody who you follow. <laughs> I'm a Man United fan. Okay. So obviously that's a popular, a, a popular vote in this uh, in this conversation. But definitely this podcast, hundred percent record yeah. there. The Man United love it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, I mean, to be fair, even though he supports uh, Leeds now, my dad was never really into football when I was growing up. So I sort of had a free reign of who I was going to support. Yeah. And, uh, I grew up. I, I grew up in Lancashire uh, to start off with, so my my Man United um, background came because one of my dad's friends actually was trying to make me a Blackburn fan, uh-huh. and <laughs> I think I went to I think I went to Blackburn Norwich Blackburn Spurs and uh, obviously he was a season ticket holder. So then the next game was Man United Blackburn, and it was when we beat them four two and Kinchelski got two, and that was it. Then I was hooked. So that was me. That was me becoming a Man United fan from from that game. Well, good, and, and I actually never knew that story. Um, I never, I never actually knew you grew up in Lancashire, actually, either. So you know, every day's a school day, like you say. You know, if you're not, if you're not learning, then there's something wrong. Um, God, I thought you were a true Yorkshireman. Oh, no, no, no. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a drafting, but I've been here uh, enough time now that I think I've sort of got a citizenship. Yeah, you've got yeah, you've got Yorkshire passport. It's fine, you know. Um, you don't have to leave anytime soon. So um, I don't really want to talk too much about the, the results of the weekend, but we can touch on later. But <clears throat> what do you make of the last seven years? And I don't want to call it a fall, but it is kind of a bit of a bump from grace, really, hasn't it? So, kind of, what's your take on that? I know we've talked about it, like I guess not, I don't want to say privately, but you know, with away from this kind of environment, but what's your take on it? Because obviously everyone has their own take on, you know, the Moyes and the Van Gaal and Mourinho and, and where we are now and how we're going and, yeah. and, um, and how we move forward and kind of what, Yeah. obviously there's no, there's no real right or wrong answer. It's just, it's your take. What do you think? It's, it's hard. I think the biggest thing was that it wasn't just, it wasn't just Fergie even was it? It was David Gill and it was like a clear out of the whole, mm. uh, the whole Fergie era. And, you know, following that was always going to be hard. It doesn't matter who it was. Um, I would, initially, I mean, the, fo- the football was, was hard to watch, wasn't it, under Moyes? Mm. But Ooh. should he be afforded a bit more time? You know, it's hard to say because, you I mean, you're dealing with the biggest club in the world. And even at that time, you've still got big names, big personalities in the dressing room. And, and I suppose he was probably trying to come in and, and put his own stamp on things. And it was just a sort of a concoction. It was never going to work, was it? You look and you look at you look at the team that that Fergie kind of left with as well. He kind of made signings his last couple of seasons to win that league, didn't he? Exactly. He never he never lot, signed he never, Yeah, he never signed thirty year olds, did he? And he goes and signs Van Persie yeah. to win in that league, yeah. you know, uh, to get back the title. So, so mm. I know, but you, there was still enough quality there. But I mean, you, you, you're changing a dynamic, aren't you? You're changing the the philosophy that you're trying to instill and. I don't think anyone would have succeeded there um, in the long in the long run. Anyway, I mean, you could have maybe you could have maybe put a plaster over it and, and done well for that season, but whether that would have been been able to uh, continue that through, I don't know. Um, and and then they sort of, I think from there they've sort of been a bit clueless with a with a plan, haven't they? Um, I think that's the biggest key over the last sort of seven or eight years is that there's been no plan in place and. If you see anything with any title-winning teams or any teams now that are doing well, 
there's always a plan. Mm. And I just feel like, I feel like United have sort of been a little bit, kind of like a, a, a bit rudderless. You know, they haven't really had any idea of where they want to go, what, you know, the players, the philosophies they want to try and instill. And I think now they're trying to put that into action and whether whether Ollie's the right man or not, I don't know, but I think they're doing the right thing in, in giving him time and trying to create a plan. Do you th- so how much time do you give him? Do you think he deserves, what, another... Do you think he deserves the rest of the season? Do you think he deserves another 18 months, two years? Obviously, I can't actually remember how long his contract is, but at what point do we then say, well, it's not it's not working? Because obviously we've had quite... United have had some good results as of late, but if you go back to winning, winning, losing, losing, winning, winning, losing, and it's almost like it, it, there's no consistency there, is there? There isn't, but I mean... <sighs> You've got to think, right? We finished third last year. Mm. We got to three. We got three semi-finals, right? If at the end of the season, United are finishing fifth, and you know they go out in the group stages, Champions League, they that's oh, they can't now, but they, they they get knocked out of the FA Cup in the third round. Well, that's that, that's a decline. Yeah. So there's a, there's an argument to say that well, he's not doing the job. If they maintain that level, well, he deserves to stay where he is and and have another year at it. If you're getting constant improvement. You keep your job. Uh, if if things level out or, or they start to decline, that's when you start talking about um, uh, whether they should go or not. I mean, pe- people call it for his head. But I mean, where did Klopp finish in his first season? You know, mm-hmm. they, they, were, they were did they finish sixth or seventh or something, and then there was an improvement to fourth, and they're challenging for the title. And it was always the next step, the next step, the next step. They're improving. They're bringing in the correct players. The, the, there's a plan in place. Now, if United have got a plan in place and they continue to improve, then he deserves a job. If there's a decline, then you have to go. But the next person you get in, you have to have a plan in place and you have to give them the time to implement that that plan and and, and see where it takes you. Um, you know, <laughs> this season is just so topsy-turvy anyway. I mean, yeah. to be talking about anything at this moment in time is absolutely ridiculous. You look, you look, we win our game in hand, we're two points off the top of the table. Exactly. Um, it's, I, th- I, I think, like you say, there's got to be a plan in place. And I, I think we've got to give him time. And I think you look at the squad now compared to what it was at the end of last year, is it any stronger? Arguably a little bit, but is it in areas that we needed strength in? Cause I worry that Woodward isn't backing him to the extent that he should be. Um, and it's, I, th- I think I think I think we've got a decent squad. I think yeah, it, I think the wrong people. I think the wrong people are start in the starting eleven at times. And yeah, I, I, we've got a decent squad. We haven't got a title winning squad. But to be fair, I don't see any real standout squad in the Premier League. I see some very good four teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a good a good eleven, and then you've got a couple of fringe players who you think, yeah, they they could do it. But after that. No one's got a bench where you're going, wow, you know, yeah. you know, there's there's massive there's massive um, competition for places. But I just think there's a couple of little tweaks United need to make in the starting eleven, and I think you'd see probably a bit more consistency. Quick, quick question for you, De Gea or Henderson? Oh, I thought you were going to ask the other question. I'll ask that in a second. Go on, De, uh, De Gea. Um, I was at, I was a bit. At the start of the season, I was a little bit 
probably disappointed because not through <laughs> the errors, but it, it, it wasn't the errors because everyone makes errors, but it's the fact that he didn't seem like he was bothered. The, yeah, and I know people say, oh, well, goalkeepers shouldn't, but it didn't seem like he was, yeah, he didn't seem too interested in it. But obviously, the last sort of month or so, he's been, he's been outstanding and, you know, he seems to have that little bit more bite back and a bit of hunger, doesn't he? So, listen, if his record speaks for itself, you know, mm. over the last, you know, sort of well, eight years, he, he's fantastic, isn't he? His record yesterday spoke for himself. He got subbed at half time and we won the second half 3 0. So I had a bit of a I had a bit of a joke <laughs> about that yesterday. I said, said Solskjaer's changed it tactically and brought Henderson off of De Gea. And look at that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I honestly think, and I'm probably wrong, and this is because I, I get a little bit frustrated with with in my opinion, and Roy Keane said it as well, like I'm not comparing myself to Roy Keane, just to say. Um it should be, I expect my keeper to save that. and I don't know because I was a goal. Which one? I, the free kick. Yeah, I, I honestly think nah. I honestly think he needs to take another step. If he takes another step in taking one and diving, he saves it. I, I, I used playing goal. I used to playing goal. I use the word play loosely, by the way. Um, <laughs> Are you comparing? No, I'm not. I'm just saying back. from from my goal <laughs> by my goalkeeping experience, which is nowhere near the level it needs to be at. Let me explain. <laughs> take why in the why, why don't all keepers take an extra step? If you take an extra step rather than taking one and diving. Surely you're going to be a little bit closer. And we talk about the speed and the power and the accuracy. Yes, it was a phenomenal free kick. And all you ask of a professional is to put it in the area, put it in the right area. And, and he did that. Yes, he scored. I honestly think he'll play the next game. Cause I, I, I honestly think that that's a little bit of embarrassment, in my opinion. I, and you can, I tell by, I, I, like... you can tell by his demeanour, he was like, oh my God, I've, I've done it again. That's what I think, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong, and I hope that it comes back to bite me in the ass. Because I remember actually once saying that um, Day wasn't world class, and um, that that hit me on the ass pretty hard as well. <laughs> well I think I think when you talk about someone like Ward Prowse, I mean, you're talking about someone who he, he's he's one of the best in the world um, for a set piece. Yeah. I think the the pace uh, the pace the dip and the speed and the spin on the ball. I don't know if if it's a, if, if if it's sort of a, a little bit of a curler in the top corner, you could say so. But the pace he hits that ball at as well, um, I think I'm going to give it to Ward Prowse rather than rather than De Gea. I mean, yeah, I mean it's hard, isn't it? I'm, I'm probably being overcritical, and I think there's maybe a part of me that knows that, but I just think that look, keepers they make mistakes. I just for the for the last I'm couple not, of I'm years, not... I just think it's been too many for me. I'm not lying. My experience as a goalkeeper at under five, <laughs> I'd, have just walked, I'd have just walked over and caught that. <laughs> uh, thanks. Proper bus under there, yeah. Oh. Adam, I know um, we mentioned obviously injuries early, obviously, in horse racing is a, a massive thing. And um, did you catch any of the, the Arsenal Wolves game? And, and kind of what do you think to oh, the, the head injury protocol? Um, do you think concussion, we should have concussion substitutes? What? Because um, that was pretty gruesome. What happened? They've actually brought him into the FA it's, Cup, haven't they? Yeah, it's it's listen, that's, that's horrific, and you know, I think every single fan um, around the world, no matter who you support, just hopes the best for for him and Eth and that. You know, yeah. after it's come out that uh, he's actually fractured his skull, but fractured his skull. Listen, you can't. You have to have concussion um, substitutes and a better protocol. Yeah. Because the thing is, as well, 
you ask any player, just asking them questions, they're going to say they're fine because they don't yeah. want to come off. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, you know, holding two fingers up and all that. In this day and age when we know what we know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it's a little bit uh, archaic, isn't it? That, yeah. You know, you're holding think... fingers up to someone and saying, do you feel okay? You, you, should take, you should take that decision out of the hands because the problem is, and I heard it today on, on Talk Sport mm. with um, Darren Goff, he said he had a, uh, uh, an accident the other day on the bike. You know, immediately you go, oh, I'm concussed. A minute later, oh, I feel fine. It's adrenaline, isn't it? it exactly. Over. You don't know what's going on in there. And listen, we all know what injuries feel like when you can see them and you can, but it, when, it, when it's in your head and under the bonnet and you don't know what's going on, then I think that there has to be uh, a better protocol in place and the decision needs to be taken out of the hands. I mean, I, um, I actually didn't see the incident. I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what happened, but obviously they didn't show it. Um, but after, oh, yeah. after no. hearing um, what happened and seeing that it obviously it was a collision with David Lewis, I was more shocked that he stayed on the pitch. I, I, I can't believe yeah. they allowed him to play the rest of the game until God knows how long when, when Rob Holding came on for him. And at that point, I honestly think it sunk in and he's gone, shit. That was at half time. The sub, the sub yeah. game, didn't uh, he come off? Um, well, can you can you but... remember, can you remember when they did? Um, was it Germany in the World Cup or something? And and the one of the players got uh, a head injury, was concussed, and at half time he had to ask the the physio where he was. And I mean, yes. if you if you can't learn from that, in you know what the the biggest sport in the world with all the money that's pumped into it, I think it's just a bit ridiculous to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's scandalous, and it? it's got a, sport is for enjoyment and safety of the people taking part has got exactly. to be paramount and the main issue. Well, what's it going to take? So someone someone to actually one day um, fall into a coma or something after a match because they've stayed on before they actually well, do something at, about it. Look at Ryan Mason. You remember Ryan yeah. Mason? Exactly, he yeah, exactly. And he had to, he's had to re- obviously he had to retire after that, and it's a, a similar thing to what's happened to him in his ear. But obviously, you mentioned in concussion as well, and. Obviously, head injuries, you mentioned the links to dementia, which the FA seem to do yes. naff all about. Well, there's quite a lot of talk it's, about it's that. A, it's, a, a, it's a massive can of worms, isn't yeah. it? Well, they're talking about spanning head in, but then you've got a massive head injury like that, which anybody can see. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you've got experience or not. If, so, if someone bangs the head, then how, how can you possibly let them carry on? It's just have you, it's have ridiculous. Have you suffered any... Have you suffered? Because obviously you've you've done uh, mixed martial arts as well. Have you suffered any concussions or any injuries like that where you thought, "Oh God, something's not right here"? Have you had anything like that in your kind of? I'm pretty sure I had a good few, but um, <laughs> we were either didn't pay attention to it or whatever. I, I definitely had a few uh, uh, head injuries because I was a bit there was a bit of a numb centre back that stick my head anywhere, and I definitely had <laughs> I definitely had a few a few uh, sixty minutes sort of. Uh, Runouts where I was seeing double and feeling a bit uh, worse for wear. And, but like I say, in, in amateur football, you get uh, someone running on, giving you the two fingers, how, how many am I holding up and all that. And that's what they're doing in the Blue Premier League. Let's not forget the magic I mean, water yeah. as well, you know, squirt that in your face and you're fine, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think something has to be done because one day, some, if, if they keep going the way they are, something horrible will happen. And then they'll bring something into place. And it should be preventative, not reactive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, as, as we kind of, <laughs> before we come and wrap up, um, 1,741. 
winners to date. Okay, so yeah, it, it, I hope that's right. It might, I don't know if that, that hasn't changed over the last few weeks, has it? Um, well, you've got you've got on the website, haven't you? <laughs> got to do your research a little bit, haven't you? <laughs> um, but um, there's probably one or two more extra there. But I'll let damn you it, um, I was, it'd be great if you'd gone actually. Uh, it's actually uh, this is the number, but yeah, never mind. So moving in, obviously we're, the season's finished. Is that am I right in saying that? Yeah, the uh, the turf season finished the seventh of November. Okay, so do you have do you have many all weather runners now, or is that kind of tapered down a bit? Um, yeah, we've got one or two, um, but we'll probably they'll start picking up again there. You know, January time, and um, there'll be horses that either haven't run. As two year olds, or have limited experience, and we'll get we'll get them out before you before have, the turf you season. Have, you have a couple of um, is Kajaki still with you guys? No, no, no. He was he was sold. That's um, uh, a while back. Yeah, uh, you, you have a couple that running bumpers and a couple of hurdles horses in the past, haven't you? In the past, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't we don't go out searching for them. You know, it's it's more a case of if we've got you know a stayer on the flat that. Either maybe wants a bit of rejuvenation, or we think could do a job over the hurdles, etc. Then, then we'll do that. But you know, we don't actively seek out jump horses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Cool. Um, so going into the next season, uh, give us three. Give us three horses to watch from your stable for next season. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> No pressure, right? Uh, <laughs> and, it, and again, it doesn't have to be a one that's gonna, you know, win it. Win it. Have a group winner, or just three horses that you think you're gonna have a good season and and progress, and they're worth watching or looking out for. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Emiratiana. He was a, a very good two year old. Slightly lost his way, but there's a he probably had a couple of little um, issues here and there, and I think he can sort of bounce back to his best. And, you know, he's he's very talented. So I'd be hoping he, he, can, he can get back to the same sort of level he showed a few years ago. Um, he, he's going to be a five-year-old next year as well. And, you know, listen, Glass Slippers is back in training next year. So, you know, that's an exciting an exciting time for us. She'll be, she'll step up probably next year to six furlongs. So, um, and especially in the second half of the season, you know, that's, yeah. uh, she'll be sort of the, the flag bearer for us as such. And... I'd say a two-year-old who will be going into three next year, probably be Cairn Island. He won a couple of times this season, but uh, I think next year he'll, he'll definitely grow and strengthen and he, he, should, he should improve again and, and go on from what he's already done. Could I, could I ask you, it's probably a bit of a tricky one, like uh, a bit of a racing fan and I kind of, a horse of yours I always used to like and a jockey of yours I used to like was... Was Amadeus Wolf and obviously Neil Kellen brought that. That's yeah. That's the kind. Of, that's when I kind of thought, oh yeah, Kevin Ryan and New Year. I was like, oh wow, that's uh, that's Adam. That's his dad trains that, and like used to love that horse, and I'd follow that quite a lot. And do you have a horse that that you've trained or your dad's trained? You thought, yeah, this this is special to me. This is this is the first memory. Or you thought, yeah, you got kind of excited and it meant something to you. If you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, Amadeus Wolf. You know, will always live long in the memory because he was he was the first ever ever group winner um, yeah. of ours. So, you know, he was. You know, uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to put a finger on one because they, they, they're all they're all special for for one reason or another. And you know, Greg Gatsby was obviously huge. You know, uh, first classic winner. 
know, that's yeah. going to live long in memory. But I mean, at present, you know, you've you've got to love Brando. It's just his. It, it's more. Were you, so... were you a little bit disappointed this year with him? No, listen. He's he, he. The thing with Brando, he's he's, ne- he's another year older, you know, and um, you know, he's not going to have the same sort of level of consistency. You know, he's he's going to be nine next year, so. But his run, his run at Ascot was just amazing, you know. So he showed, he showed he was exactly, uh, he was he was right to go there, and he retains all of his ability. But you know, we might just have to have to mind him a little bit more now. Yeah, brilliant. Um, before we wrap up, I have two questions. Sean, do you have anything else to ask Adam before we uh, relieve him of his duties? Um, yeah, mate. Yeah, so say if, breakfast time. Sean brings it down nice sausage and bacon bath. Are you a red or a brown? Brown, man? brown, 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 brown. <laughs> you dirty boy. <laughs> nowhere near nowhere near red sauce. Um, that was a great question, which leads me on to uh, the two I've <laughs> the two I've got. Um, pineapple and pizza. Thoughts? Yes. Brilliant. That's, a, that's, a, that's an all round uh, full hat trick as well there. And I know you like a drink. So it's Friday night. You just walked into the pub. What's waiting, or what's the first thing you're ordering? Guinness. I knew you were going to say that. But for everyone out there, <laughs> you see Adam in the pub, buy him a Guinness. Look, Adam, it's, <laughs> Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for coming on. Um, Cheers, it's Adam. Been, it's been great crack. Very good insight. Um, great questions from, from Sean. Um, and hopefully in the new year and, and give us some time we'll to build our audience and uh, we'll hopefully get you back on and we'll be talking about some more winners next year. Definitely. No, it's been great. And, you know, hopefully this, uh, this podcast can go from strength to strength and, you know, get plenty of listeners out there. It's been, it's been great to come on and, you know, hopefully we can do it again. Good man. Thank you very much, mate. Look after yourself. Appreciate your time, mate. No problem. Take care, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Right, take care, mate.